Hi, everybody. Welcome back to Inspired Action Live podcast. I'm your host, Karen Baldridge. And today I've got a super exciting guest because I have a coach, another coach, who's actually been on a TED Talk. And he's a high performance coach, which is how I found him actually on LinkedIn. We sort of ran across each other and I also saw his TED talk. So this is super exciting. He's got such an exciting story that I really just felt like I wanted to tell. So I am going to be pulling him online here in just a few minutes. Um, his name is Tuomo. I just call him Tuomo because he's got kind of an interesting last name that I'm not super great at pronouncing it. So I'm going to let him phonetically pronounce it for you. So that way I don't have to completely embarrass myself as I butcher it. But it's kind of a long last name. Um, he's from Finland originally, and now he lives in um, Tahiti of all places. So you know I'm going to be asking questions about that. But it's what's happened in between all that time that's very interesting and a really inspiring story for all of us because he kind of lives one of those lives that a lot of us will read about or hear about on TV, but could never even imagine pursuing that kind of a life, you know? So it's really cool to see um, him sort of follow his own heart, follow his own gut on what he wants to do and all the adventures he's been on. So he's going to kind of tell us a little story about his adventures and how he followed what was in his heart and how success left clues for him and he ended up doing exactly what his heart told him he should be doing so I'm really looking forward to kind of getting down some rabbit holes there with him and and asking him all the questions that I'm sure if you were here you would want to ask him too so um, in just a few minutes he's gonna be popping online and we'll start our chat so looking forward to it Okay, everybody, we are back. And as promised, I have my guest today, Tuomo, but I already told him I'm going to allow him to tell you his last name because I don't want to insult him and give him a completely different last name that he can't even identify with. So um, I'm super excited to get this conversation started with him. I already told you a little bit about his, his crazy story. It's crazy to like normal life people, <laughs> you know, like me, this is kind of a crazy story to him. It probably feels normal to somebody like me and probably a lot of my audience. It's pretty exotic lifestyle, you know, as far as jumping all over the world and kind of just following um, your gut. And that's going to be super cool, Tuomo. So go ahead and start with your last name and let's just get into what the deal is with your story. All right. So first of all, my last name is Vaukonen. Vaukonen. So it's <laughs> it's, not, it's not a typical Finnish name. So originally from Finland and from Scandinavia, from Northern Europe. That's where I started my trek and my travels back in 2001. Okay. So I suppose that's, uh, yeah, 20 years ago by now. Been on the road and, for a while. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And like I could tell a long version or short version of the story so I'll, I'll, I'll try to squeeze into mid version on this one so like like I left 2001 and I um, was supposed to travel only for six months I remember I, I always remember leaving from home uh, from my, I was living at my mom's place because I was saving money a little bit mm -hmm. and I was like mom I'm just gonna go for six months and <laughs> and I had I had 300 
dollars, no, sorry, 300 marks. That was before the Euro in, in Europe. And that was like, it's the same amount of money that would last me for let's say six weeks on the road. Okay. So I had six weeks or maybe eight weeks, two months worth of finances in my pocket and I left and I said, I'm going for six months. So I had like a little job lined up at this dive center and okay. uh, this dive shop, they, and, and by the way, I never had done a single dive. Of course, so of course they, you they, haven't. So that's why, of <laughs> course, you worked at a dive shop. That makes perfect sense, of course. Yeah, exactly right. So basically the person hired me is like, okay, you're, you're you know, a good guy and maybe we can work a little bit. But he gave me a job for four weeks, like kind of like a trial. Where so were you? Out, Where were you going? Where was this? The, the, so this was Cyprus. So I was going to Southern Europe. Oh, just and I'm Cyprus, like, okay. okay. Yeah, so let's let's go for sort of month trial. I have two months worth of finances, more or less, give or take. See how it goes. And I told my mom I'm coming back in six months. Okay. And I came back after one year, and I jumped on from Cyprus to Greece and the Tenerife. So I was kind of jumping a few places, and then I come back at home and I'm telling my mom like, Mom, I'm not sure if I'm gonna stay. Like, I think I think this traveling life is calling me. Oh my gosh, so, you got bit by the bug. <laughs> exactly. And that were you a free spirit growing up though? I mean, like what was your personality like that? Because like, again, when you're a really structured person like me, that would not be, I, I couldn't begin to connect the dots to do what you're doing here. Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. So like, I think the, the structure came more from the outside. Like Finland is a very structural society and the culture is very sort of rigid in one ways. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of kind of limitations and you've got to have to fit in the box, especially in sort of, you know, the, the, the turning of the, the millennium, if you will. And uh, so I left, but I didn't really feel like a free spirit, if you will. I always wanted to, I had a calling for travel. And then I suppose like during those travels, the sort of the free spirit mindedness, if you will, that sort of build up and, and I learned into that. Mm-hmm. But I always wanted to have like a job somewhere. So I, I wasn't traveling like thousand percent free spirited. I always had like a little job here, a little job there. And then yeah. I traveled for like a few months kind of more freely. Um, but I had a little bit of a structure always in place. Mm-hmm. But that went on for about 15 years. <laughs> <laughs> so I went for, I lived in nine different countries. Okay, that's not, not just not, not just traveled, but I lived in Thailand. I lived here in French Polynesia on a boat for, for 2003 and four, and I lived in Panama and I lived in Galapagos Islands and, and various places, but it was always under the sun, by the sea, by the ocean. So that's, I just realized that after, after a little while that, hey, that the ocean was something that was always calling me. That was the element, the water, especially salty water was, was the mm-hmm. sort of the element that was always calling me. It was always sort of adventurous lifestyle. That was, that was my thing. Yeah. Uh, it was either under the water as diving on top of the, I used to work on super yachting for sort of five, six years. So I was working on boats and it was always connected to the water element one way or the other. Wow. And then 2015, so that's uh, four or five, sorry, five, six years ago, mm-hmm. um, I got my last job here on a boat here in French Polynesia. And then I was like, okay, let's, I, I think 15 years is enough. So mm-hmm. let's try to settle down. Let's try how this works out. If yeah. I can settle down for a land-based, <laughs> land-based life. That is so crazy. <laughs> and, and the funniest thing was that when I, made, when I made that decision to settle down or try to settle down, because 
until that until that moment it was a lot easier for me to stay on the road and keep traveling and doing my thing instead of having a quote-unquote normal life that was scary to me whereas the travel part and looking for jobs and looking for things and you know leading this kind of nomad lifestyle was very easy and i always felt that way and, that and, is and, like uh, that that right there is a showstopper like what like how are you wired that way like that's amazing you know like that's something that again is really something that the structured folk try to cultivate yeah. and i just think that is astounding that you're just naturally yeah. like that and, and uh, there's a lot of takeaways that I can give. And I, I have got from that since I moved on land. But one of the things that I realized that I possibly was actually escaping the responsibilities of the, of the sort of the nine to five jobs or from the land-based land life. Understood. So because, because when you're by yourself, I wasn't able to hold any kind of relationships with, um, you know, I was like friends were coming and going and, you know, especially the sort of short, relationships that I had they were just like I just wanted to do my own thing so yeah. I was I suppose I was very selfish in that sense at the same time living the life that I wanted to live with my own terms so that became very easy yeah. once you do not have those responsibilities in a way it like the travel thing was very very yeah it was very comfortable for me yeah it was kind of whereas, yeah whereas like exactly whereas having a land-based job and paying the bills and having a rent or whatever, like that was, that was a scary thing for me. Right. So let rewind back into the, that six week period when I said like, okay, I'm going to settle down. And I think it only took, I think it only took like two to three weeks when my partner walked into my life and I'm like, wow, that's interesting. Soon as I made the decision to settle down, whatever happened, this person then just walked into my life and we've been together for six years and, we're living here in French Polynesia and we just, uh, seven months ago, we had our firstborn. So, Oh my so, goodness. Yeah. And that's a life adventure of its own. I mean, like you exactly. add the relationship on, and then you add a child in there and that's a complete, whoop, you know, like everything just yeah. flips upside down because then there is no room for selfishness. When you have a child, there's not a whole lot of room. I mean, there might be like a little, you know, just a little couple inches of selfishness, but it's yeah. really difficult to squeeze out selfishness when children come into the mix, right? So that must have thrown you for a loop. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, I'm, I'm in my 40s right now, so I was waiting for it for a long time. And, and to kind of rewind back to the story a little bit, I grew up without the father. So I was just, I grew up with single mom. So that was, wow. I think now in hindsight, I think that was one of the main reasons as well why, yeah. uh, why I waited for so long. And especially in our relationship, this could have happened earlier, but I think it was my own process that I had to go through right. to, to kind of be comfortable with the fact that, hey, how, how am I going to be as a father? How's that going to work out? And uh, yeah, so then like going through that, then now I'm realizing like, wow, okay, so I, I'm very happy that I went through that process. Yeah. And, and, um, and also I've, I've met with my father a few times and we had a couple of chats about that and things like that. So it really helped me to understand a little bit who I'm as a man and how I want to be as a father and what do I want to provide. Oh, for sure. Right that definitely provides context and focus. All of that because you, like you said, bringing your dad back into it, kind of understanding that energy between you and him and then how 
maybe you want to pivot in a different direction as a dad, you know, all those things yeah. are, they don't happen for no reason, right? So everything has a purpose and everything that happened in your life was for a reason, which is what brought you here today. And like you said, that maybe the guy on the run for all those years, and maybe it was all to get you to where you are now. But what is also great is it probably, and you can tell me a little bit about this, how does this all your journey play into your coaching? Like, how do you approach coaching? Because you've had an interesting way of how your life has unfolded and how do you make that all marry into your coaching practice as a coach? And then you got to tell us, how you got on the TED Talk. <laughs> uh, okay, all right. So let's let's backtrack again a little tiny bit. So um, back in Finland, I used to, before I left, um, I was like elementary school assistant teacher for a little while. I, I, held, I was teaching for basketball for I was like an assistant coach there for a little bit. Then I was a diving instructor. So again, in a teaching sort of position. Um, then I worked in super yachts and I was there as a first mate for, for quite a while. So I was always, um, for now looking back, I've always been with people, first of all, and I've always been helping people, solving problems. Um, and it kind of now there's a label of coaching, but back, back in those days, there, there, yeah, there wasn't, yeah, it was I'm like a basketball coach. <laughs> yeah. yeah. There was like a basketball coach. That's, yes, yes, that's, exactly. that's what it was. Um, <laughs> And then uh, when I, I used to work on resorts and sort of like a hotel industry for, for a little while. And again, there I was, again, helping people to overcome their challenges and stuff like that. So um, four, three, four years ago, it just landed into me. It's like, oh, this is a perfect segue into what I've always done. Now yeah. I can have a, now, that, now there's a label too. There's it. a label. There's a name for it. I agree. Success leaves clues that you were bent that way already, you know? And, yeah. And now there's a name for it. You know? And and then why what I have chosen as my quote unquote coaching path is the same thing as a TEDx talk, which is why lifestyle matters more than happiness, because that's how I have lived my life until now, mm -hmm. especially those 15, 16 years of traveling. It was always like lifestyle first and everything else follows. Yes, yeah. it was a little bit, you know, maybe selfish or independent, but through the different cultures, like I said, I lived in nine different countries. So I lived lots of so with crazy. different people, with different nationalities, with different sure. religions. I learned about their habits, their cultures, their just through language and exposures to differences in human behavior and how people think have given me a quite a vast range of like, let's say a pool of, of information yes. and, and, and routines and habits where I can pull from. So, yeah. so a lot of the times when there's challenges for myself or for my clients, I was like, okay, how was I... How, how can I use those experiences and how can I relate to for, for, from different perspectives and different cultures? So for me, it's very easy to work with Europeans or Americans or South, South Americans or from Asians for that matter. And, and there's, a, there's a quite big perspective where I can, you know, pull the solutions from, if you will. So that's, um, that's where that comes from. And you ask about the, the TEDx talk. And by the yeah. way, there's, a, there's a quite a difference between TED and TEDx talk. So this was a TEDx talk. Yes. So I'm, I'm I, I will just yes. I should have made that clear distinction. <laughs> we'll go ahead and let you tell us about yours. But yes. <laughs> yeah. So the the usually I suppose people I'm not entirely sure of the process of of the the the, the how you get into these talks. But it was like four years ago. I went to 
the local TEDx event here. And I think it was the first or the second. And I saw this guy, he was from New Zealand and he spoke on that red mat with his bare feet. Yeah. And the talk was about sustainability and sort of, you know, how they do agriculture in New Zealand. Things like that. I'm like, wow, I can do that. I can swing that. Yeah. And then from that moment onwards, they're like, I actually want to put my bare feet on that red mat. Ah, you get the and visual going. So you start to visualize that. Exactly right. And then uh, I think it was like two years ago, I wrote, I just wrote it in my journal. I just wrote a TEDx talk. And I think that's what it was. I'm telling you. And then um, I started looking at, okay, so I saw these, you know, advertisements coming on, on our local social media here, like, hey, we'll, you know, TEDx, TEDx is coming up and this and that. And I just, I literally, all I did is I called up the guy who is the, the president of the TEDx association here. And I didn't really know him. I just, what did I call him? Or did I send him an email? I, whichever. And I was just like basically cold calling, if you will. And I said like, hey, I'm this and that. I would be interested to talk at your event. If that's suitable, these are my ideas. What do you think? And he was like, yeah, that sounds awesome. Let's meet up. And then we went from there and, you know, I ended up on the stage. So it was, I just crafted it. Okay. We need to talk about this for one second. I told you I'll (laughs) keep interrupting you with these rabbit holes. Now, okay. You, you, you kind of glossed over some things that I feel are really important because as a coach and you would know that, you sometimes have to take that line between art and science. Okay. So coaching, it's a little, it's, it's a science because there's statistics and things that you can bring in, you know, to kind of show, you know, different uh, ways of looking at it with like the psychology of positivity and all of these new things coming into play. But there is also the art. So there's that spiritual side of it that there has to be an openness to it because that's what gives it that unbelievability factor. And like, I can possibly believe in the unbelievable because you just have to have that belief system in yourself, something that you can't see, believing in something that you can't see. So like you couldn't see that you were in TED, you know, you were going to be in a TEDx talk, but you wanted Mm -hmm. to be there. So you believed therefore that it was possible and let's talk about writing that down into like a journal because that is a huge thing for me and again sometimes some coaching clients for me have been open to it and some people are like like what you know <laughs> like that sounds too woo woo but do you introduce that as a as something to as a regular practice for your clients because i strongly believe in it because it becomes real when you put it in writing in my experience things become real when you put them down. What do you Yeah, a thousand, thousand percent. And, and, and the same note, like some people that I've experienced are more literate than others. Some people like to write things more than others. Yes. The, the main thing for me, I think it is that you have to get it out of your head and into a physical plane. And, and writing it down is one of the best ways of doing that because then you, then you have perspective to, to the whatever is in your head. Right? Yeah. If it's a dream, if it's a goal, if it's an intention, if it only stays inside of your thoughts, inside of your head, it, it's a very small place. I like it, it gets, it gets cluttered yeah. very quickly, right? Lots so, of other things, you know, that you have going on, you know? Exactly. So if it's, if it's writing it down or speaking it out to someone else, if it's your coach or if it's your partner or your friend, whatever, mm-hmm. but putting it out 
into the playing field, if you will. That's one of the biggest things that there is. I agree. Again, journaling, it's not for everyone. It is, for, it is a very, very useful tool, but yeah. there can be other, other, other ideas as well. For some people are more kinesthetic and they need to act on it straight away. Instead yes. of like, like, like that journaling is kind of like an intermediate step, if you will. Right. Which is really good because it's, yeah. there's a big step of going from thought to action straight away. Oh, yeah. So that, that, that journaling is kind of like I said, the middle, middle ground of it. I agree with that. The, the main thing is that it doesn't stay on the, stay on the paper. Because a lot of the times those, those thoughts and ideas, they stay on the paper and we never act on them. Well, it is so, true, you know, I, I agree, but there is something, I don't know, I don't want to use the word magical, but kind of, um, that I almost feel an onus to pursue something that I've written down as a, yeah. as a, a goal, you know, I mean, yeah. it, it's still in dream state because there's nothing that says I'm heading that way, but it's something yeah. that I want to do, you know, yeah. and so I have like a, an onus to it. Now it owns me somehow because I put it down or just like you said, if you say it to a partner or something, now all of a sudden there's an expectation around it. But if you keep 100%. it in your head, it's your little secret and you may or may never pursue it. Right. But, but once you yeah. put it down, you either say it out loud or you put it down. Now I, I'm owned by that goal. <laughs> Weird. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I, I, I have a very interesting, I, I can't remember where I got this from, but, but uh, actually something else really quickly. Like I know there are some people that are very quote unquote headstrong yes. and uh, they have a, a, so much willpower that they just have a thought and they can push it through by themselves and not anyway. to, not, not to talk, talk about it to, to anyone and then just, just keep pursuing it. And especially the culture where I come from Finland, mm -hmm. there's this kind of thing like, like, don't speak about it. Just do it. Like, just keep oh, your mouth shut, put your head, yeah. put your head down and, you know, keep going. But then there's, you know, different sort of byproducts that come, can come out of that, especially yeah. emo <laughs> emotional plane. But what I yeah. want to come back to, there's a, there's a very helpful process or a very, he very helpful mindset shift or idea that may be helpful mm -hmm. for your audience as well. Yeah. If you, if you think of dreams and ideas, uh, or for example, my TEDx talk or my, my travels or like landing, landing a job here in French Polynesia is the very first step or the element is that, that the idea is first is invisible. So mm -hmm. it's, it's, not, it's not even in your conscious mind. You don't like know anything about French Polynesia. You don't know that there's a, such a thing as, as TEDx or TED Talks. That, yeah. So it's in, invisible. Mm -hmm. Then from invisible plane, it comes down to visible. So it's just like, okay, you understand, okay, there's a, such a thing as French Polynesia on the map or there's a, such a thing as, as TEDx Talks. But that's great. But you don't have any quote-unquote emotional attachment to it or you don't know if you want it or not. It's just out there, right? Right. Then the third one, it, you, like, okay, now I want it, but you might have this thing like, okay, that's impossible. So you <laughs> yes, go from, exactly. <laughs> so that's more like a dream state. Right. Like, okay, now I'm, I'm dreaming about it, but in your, in your head, you're saying, okay, that's, that's impossible, right? right? Then something happens, something shifts. It can be like you're writing it down, you meet someone, you get, a, you get amazing coaching session, you have this insight or whatever, that there's many different things that might shift. Then it goes from impossible to possible. Like now you have an idea that, okay, I can see that. I can see some steps. I can see the sort of the, the, the light in the end of the tunnel, if you will. Yeah. Right. 
get some clarity so you, around it. Yeah. Exactly right. So you go from, from impossible to possible and then from possible, then you get more clarity and you start like, okay, now I can start understanding how I can craft this thing into reality. Like for me, it was making that call for the president of the association here. And then it became like, holy smokes, this is actually probable. So you go from possible yeah, to probable. <laughs> and then, yeah. then you really start seeing the, instead of just the light in the end of the tunnel, yeah. you hit that light switch just next to you and it, like, it lights up this, the lights inside of the tunnel. So now the path becomes clear. Like, okay, now this becomes probable. And yeah. then when you start walking the path, mm -hmm. then it becomes actual. So yeah. then you go, so, so basically like if, if you follow these steps, it's invisible mm -hmm. to visible to impossible to possible and then from possible to probable and probable to actual. Oh my goodness. That is, I mean, and that's, that just really smooths out the whole path, you know? I mean, because you've, you've chunked it out, and you haven't just said, oh, you know, it's this giant thing. It's so improbable. How are they going to find me? And, you know, I'm living in this small island, you know, country, whatever. You know, it just seems so vast. It, you wouldn't know where to begin. So I like how you chunk it out a little bit. And then it smoothly homogenizes into the path to, to actually making it a reality, you know. And I think that's the whole thing, the magic with with coaching is having people walk down that path, right? Or getting them to understand that it's not like a, I think it, and then it's just right there, but there is a process and it's possible to get there though. I mean, if there's something I often say, and I wonder if you can like kind of agree with this, that if there's something in your soul or in your heart already that you want to do, or it's like a goal, a distant goal or whatever, it's there for a reason because for instance, I wouldn't have wanted to play basketball like you or, you know, like my husband, I would never wanted to, to pursue something in a professional way like that. You know, it just, because it wasn't meant for my path. It wasn't, it's not probable. It's not even something I, I cared to put any time towards at all because it wasn't meant for me. So when something is inside of you that pay special attention to that, get it, like you said, get it out of your head, get it into a, a real plane, a plane of reality, whether it's a, you know, a vision board or, you know, just writing it down or just any, anything or telling somebody, you know, get it out of your head so that you are now connected to it. There is a connection because it's real and it's there for a reason, because usually if you have those dreams, they, they were put there from above you know what I mean? Like they weren't there for no reason. And so it's possible. It really is. So you're, you're living proof of that right now. Just telling your story of how you got onto the TEDx talks, because that's a perfect example of how, how the whole deal works with coaching. I hope you use that a lot as an example, don't you? Uh, yeah, yeah, possibly. I think I, 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 tr I tend to use examples instead of from my own life from like, from the examples that I've seen or from a lot of the times I'm trying to dig out the example from the client's life itself so they can relate to like something that they don't see that they've already done previously. And then it's like, oh, I see, like I've actually walked the path previously already. Or like that, that way you're actually shining the light in their own path instead of, you know, of course there's a very, lot of power of, of explaining your own path and processes as well. But like a lot of the times the process that was working for me more than likely won't work for them. True so it's like for, for me, the coaching is all about 
obviously working side by side with the person, but it's also like, and, and I've, I'm finding out what they've already done previously and how, how they can use those tools and ideas and insights to, to walk the path further where they are right now and where they obviously want to go in the future. Where they want to go. Um, and then just wanted to, wanted to touch base what is something that you said there is that when you have a calling or if you feel that you're passionate about something, mm-hmm. um, I actually was recording a, a, a little, uh, little podcast this morning about the same thing we, we chatted about, is that a lot of the times that, especially if you look at social media these days, there's a lot of talk about passion and there's a lot of talk about purpose. And those are right. great things to pursue. Right. But it can be a little bit overwhelming, especially if you're not um, if you're not used to following or listening to yourself. If you don't know where to start, like how do you listen to yourself and how do you get in touch with your emotional world and and and, and your thoughts and sort right. of the inner world? Especially the people that live very externalized life, if you will. the the, the inner world is is a it, it can be a dark and scary place to dive into. <laughs> It doesn't have to be, but that's what it is a lot of the time. So I would start small steps and looking at like, okay, how do I feel today? What is that little calling that, that, I, that, that I have? When I wake up from my, from my nap in the afternoon, like for example, if people have time to nap, I, I always recommend at least having a little small nap. Like what do I wake up with? What do I go to sleep with? What are the last thoughts when I go to bed or what are the first thoughts when I wake up? Those are the kind of like the dreamy state that you're naturally in. So kind of like, okay, like make notes of that. I'm obviously, when it comes to journaling, I I have like three or four different journals going on at the same time. One of them is on on my bedside. So Mm -hmm. I call it the dream journal. So I always write in the dream journal, especially not every day, but especially when I have these vivid dreams and insights Mm -hmm. and ideas, like I just want to write them down because there's a lot of, your subconscious or unconscious, whatever you want to call it, it's very, very powerful place. Mm-hmm. So you, you want to at least start from somewhere and that would be the, you know, the something. And then the other thing that I always like, that really helpful is, is spending time by myself, with myself. Mm-hmm. And again, I, I grew up by myself. I was the only son. I was, I was raised by a single mother. And so that was natural to me. But especially if you've had a lot of brothers and sisters and you live in a busy life and busy lifestyle in the city, you probably haven't spent a lot of time by yourself. Yeah. (laughs) And, and, and I think that, that, that solitude for me personally, at least there's nothing that's better than spending. Like I need to take that time. And again, coming back to even we have a child right now or baby, if you will, I always craft a little bit of time every single day to be, by myself, with myself, inside of my own head, with my own thoughts, because there's so much so power, wisdom, and insights they come from from the inner world. So, it's um, so true. I mean, I, I I think that that is a huge thing that because a lot of the audience that I I have are either <laughs> um, young mothers, you know, young women who are just become um, moms, yeah. or or moms that are now coming out of the little kids stage and maybe their kids are getting older and a little more independent and now they've lost themselves and the reason they've lost themselves is exactly what you just nailed down right there Mm -hmm. is the 
unintentionality of their life. They've gone on rote. They just go like robots, like this needs to be done. This needs to be done. This needs to be done. You know, and everything becomes about what their family is doing or what their family is into or what they need. And the very last priority that ever services is themselves. Who are they? What do they want? And so you calling that out immediately is what needs to change. And that's the biggest like megaphone I can give to them is I wish I would have known that <laughs> when my kids were, you know, really young because I didn't, I was one of them. So I get their life, but you knowing that is so beneficial and so mm -hmm. huge, but luckily you had a little living that you were able to do before you had your child. So you understood yeah. that having that, carved out little space is an enormous huge deal for your self-development and for your sanity for one thing mm -hmm. but but just to be able to keep pushing forward because you have to have that decompression time you know a thousand percent and i think th this is something probably helpful for your audience especially if if, um, if there's a lot of mothers mm -hmm. and again this is very masculine perspective but but i think it can very be very helpful for for, for new moms because so so what we do in our relationship is that that seems to be and again like the to be a mother i have no idea about it i know, I know but, but you're a parent and you get the the rat race part of it i mean it's very much yes, and be a rat yes. race, you know and, and 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 the idea is that especially in the beginning stages our our son is now seven months old so he needs mother i believe more than he needs yes. father right it's now not, obviously yeah. pre breastfeeding, breastfeeding and all these and things all right so so what i'm what i'm what we have done and i have told my partner like hey for example on fridays like okay what is the time that you want to take for yourself this weekend if it's even if it's 30 minutes or one hour and she's now asking like hey can I have two hours this morning? And I was like, absolutely. I'll, I'll, I'll take care of Sky as much as I can, obviously. So awesome. and, and she comes to me and she's like, hey, I need the time right now. And I think that's something that as a mother is probably hard to do, in, especially in the beginning stages. But yeah. even if it's 30 minutes, 45 minutes, go to your partner and say like, hey, I need my time. If it's like, and you can schedule that time, like from 10 yeah, to 11. Yeah, you can schedule it, right. And that's so, it's huge. You're, yeah, I just love that you're, you know, discussing that. And, and I'm hoping that a lot of, you know, moms tend to take on the, um, the hero or the victim or the, uh, you know, I, I'm there for all, at all costs. We tend to take on that role. And, mm -hmm. but then we also tend to re, you know, like get salty about it, about it, you know, because we're the, the ever dying victim, you know, like, Oh no, yeah. you know, I never have any time for myself when, if we would clearly communicate that to our partners, um, there could be a little more understanding because I understand um, that, you know, like my husband is very much a, a loner type of person too. And he really mm -hmm. needed to kind of, he needed to have his time away <laughs> from the chaos of, of all of that. And, and I would get jealous, honestly, but I never asked for it. So the fact that you're calling this out is a big, is a big deal. And I, it's a, a big takeaway from our, from our discussion amongst other things, that's a big takeaway because it can yeah. change the trajectory of a relationship, but of a life of, of the mom, you know, to have some. 
thousand percent. I, I think it obviously comes down to the, the honesty and truthfulness of the communication, the channel of communication, how open those lines are in your relationship in the first place. Like, it, like before we had our son, had those lines of communication been a little bit ruptured, if you will, mm-hmm. I think it would be very hard to now communicate those tougher um, tougher ideas through. So I, I've always been super clear. And whenever something comes up and I'm like, hey, babe, like what's happening right now? I, I want to kind of raise the hand and at least start the process. Oh, yeah. It, yeah. It, it's a very subtle, once that channel of communication starts rupturing and you start losing that signal and the noise gets louder than the actual signal, you know, if, if you let that go too, too, too long, then it's going to be hard to backtrack backtrack where you were so 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 there's where the breakdown happens that's why so many of the breakdowns happen that exact reason you let it go and you don't yeah because again you're trying to be a martyr at least you know like women i i don't want to you know completely put a blanket statement out there but i i can Mm -hmm. say (laughs) that we have a martyr complex a little bit where we try to act you know, more easygoing or a lot of us, not all of us, obviously, it just Mm -hmm. depends on the personality. But, Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, I mean, you know, we, we tend to uh, take more guff than what we really actually want. You know what I mean? And we tend to let things go more so until they become a big old fire. And then, you know, the breakdown, our our relationships suffer because of it. So these are really valuable tips that you're in insights that you're bringing in, especially again, addict, add a child into that. And it's like, it's like the city's burning down, you know, (laughs) you know, if you don't address it. And, and it really, you know, comes down to, as you said, like the intentionality, I mean, having an intentional practice every day. So when you're by yourself, are you just doing nothing or what are you thinking? I mean, are you just kind of like going over your day or what does your alone time look like? I mean, do you do it with intention or is it just? Yeah, a thousand percent. Um, it's, it's the morning and the late evening. Um, lately it's, it's, let's say that, uh, like for example, this morning I woke up 5.30 and I knew that, that our son will probably wake up around 6, 6.15. Mm-hmm. So as soon as I woke up and I was like, okay, now it's my time. I got 45 minutes. Sometimes oh, it's half an hour. Mm-hmm. And it's like, I'm, I'm out of the bed. I'm pretty much within the first five minutes. I'm sitting down with my eyes closed and I'm doing my meditation practice. That is anywhere a bit from five minutes. Like this morning, I think it was just under 10 minutes. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes I have, I have 20 minutes if, I, if I'm up early. Um, and then I usually, at least I go for a walk. I go into the garden. This morning I had about 20 minutes. I went for a beach workout. I do some, you know, pull-ups. I might go for a quick swim. But I try to, do move, I try to move my body for 20 minutes. Mm-hmm. And then if I come back and the rest of the family is still, still in bed, mm-hmm. then I have, a cold, I have a cold shower very quickly. Mm-hmm. And then I start preparing the breakfast. And if I still have time, then I at least read. I maybe do a journaling. I do something that I grow my mind, something that is growth oriented. I maybe listen to a podcast while, while I'm preparing the breakfast or something. I read a book or like I said, do the journaling. So it's basically the movement of the mind, movement of the body mm-hmm. and, and then mindfulness. And that's like such the connection, right? That's the alignment, that whole meridian of mind-body connection. And because 
that is what gets you into the proverbial flow state, but it, it really does take some, you don't just snap into flow state unintentionally. It really has to come with work and it really has yeah. to come with, um, with a practice, like what you're yeah. saying, you know, and, yeah. and I think that's so important to have clarity and to have your day go so much better if people would wake up with a plan. You know, yeah. and so that is clearly one of the things that I'll talk about is don't let the day happen to you. You come into the day with intentions. This, this, and this. There's always a goal. There's always some self, you know, development that should be on the list. Thousand percent. I, I'm, I'm a huge fan of intentional life, intentional living. Um, obviously, the lifestyle has always been in the forefront and sort of the last, especially with the rise of coaching and, 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 and learning more about myself and reading books. The intentionality of it all has become in the forefront of, you know, it's not every single day that I get to have one hour, you know, yeah. morning practice. Of course not. But yeah. even, even if it's, even if it's 10, 15 minutes, Mm-hmm. That, that keeps the chain going, that keeps you accountable for yourself and taking that self-responsibility. Mm-hmm. Um, I, 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 love, I love the fact that not every day needs to be a masterpiece, mm. but we need to put oil on the canvas consistently. Yeah, yeah something. Something needs to find Some, itself onto the, onto the canvas of life because you, and, other and, than and, that. And that's how the masterpiece eventually will come out on mm-hmm. one day. Like, it's more for me. The consistency is more important than, than the speed or the you know the results on in 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 the day to day life. Like if you keep plucking at it, even if it's a small daily thing, if it's meditation or journaling or reading or whatever it is, physical movement. Like try to stay consistent with it as much as possible. Smaller the better, especially in the beginning. Yes, I mean I I just couldn't agree more with that, and and it's as common as that seems to you, you would be surprised how uncommon it really actually is out in the greater society. Um, not everyone lives with that kind of focus. I, I know I didn't, which is why I'm such a huge advocate of it now because I see the before and after. And so mm-hmm. it's really, um, it's such a valuable and free, you know, way to develop yourself. And, and is that the approach you take with your coaching? This will be the last thing I'll keep you on, but do you do high, cause you do high performance coaching. Is this the approach you take? I mean, do you kind of let out, like when you're trying to give them some direction or whatever, do you really kind of focus on, on what they do during the day and how they spend their mental time? And yeah, well, let's put it this way. Like, like I was pretty, and I'm still competitive, especially with myself. But back in the days before I left home, like, like I played semi-professional basketball and I was super, super competitive. So, you know, even like the, my, my, uh, my favorite clothing brand was called Peak Performance. No, of and, course. <laughs> uh, and, and, and all these things. So that was, I was always about like peak performance, like you said, high performance. And, mm-hmm. and right now, especially lately, it's, it, it, it's more, I actually changed my sort of the, the idea of from going from peak or high performance to optimization. So like, how can we actually optimize our performance levels? Because we, we all know we cannot stay at that peak level all day long. It, it's like we, you, you go up there maybe a little bit, but then you always come Yeah, down. there's always the down, you know. <laughs> so how can we make sure that we are like keeping ourselves more optimal all day long? Because if, if you're trying to be up here, you know that you're going to come down. And the further up you're trying to reach, the further down you can also come down to. So it's more, more of optimization. And obviously that, 
that morning routine is huge. Evening routine is obviously a massive thing as well. And during the day, what are those little tweaks and little sort of ideas that we can shift the bigger picture? And then every now and then you just have to move the big stones as well. Like, like not every day you can move the biggest rocks on your playing field. Right. But yeah. if, you, if you every day move smaller stones and then when you're ready, when, you, when, when the time is right, if it's once a week or once a month or a few times a month, then you like, that's what I say, like, then you go and, and, and tackle that bigger thing. All right. Yeah, like so, the massive action. You know, you can build, sorry, the infrastructure, but then there has to be those days of massive action where you take the plunge and, and really, like you said, move the bigger stones and, and get after it. But you, you build it up. You build up a system for yourself to, to know. Ex ex exactly right. Because I think that's one of the, the, the sort of pitfalls and downfalls of this peak, for, peak performance or high performance lifestyle is that we're trying to be at our peaks all day, every day. And that is, that is completely... <laughs> And that is the most unsustainable way that you can ever be. Like to try and do, like, especially if you follow a lot of the social media, you look what other people are doing, you only see other people at their peak states. You see only the best posts and the best mm -hmm. sides of them. So but you don't realize like there's, there's the rest and relaxation. There's the, you know, the optimal state. And they, everybody's got their low states, but you don't see that until you're really exposed to that. I think, again, this is more from the athletic world, but I think it's Usain Bolt or like the people that are very much in their peak states, mm -hmm. I think it was that these fast runners, the, they sleep like 12 hours, like 10 hours a day. Oh, like wow. they take like two hour naps during the middle of the day, right? Yeah. Because they <laughs> need to recover. Like you cannot be, you cannot sustain that level of performance right. without the adequate amount of rest and sleep and rest and relaxation. Right. Because the infrastructure would be weak then, you know, I mean, there has to be a strong infrastructure in order to sustain when you get to that mountaintop. I mean, there has to be something that's going to hold you up there to achieve. And then you start back again, or, you know, or just even a whole way of, of teaching the mindset of how to, how to even go there in the first place. Like you were saying how you, you know, you took chunked it out in, in different mm -hmm. pieces of knowing that you have a decision to make of everything that, you know, they come to you about whatever the, the issue is that they're wanting, you know, some improvement, you know, that's a circumstance and you get to decide what you think about that circumstance. And then you get to decide what you're going to do about it, but it's still your choice. Nothing can be you know battled in a court of law other than the circumstance itself that might be factual but what you decide to do with it all that is in between here <laughs> and so yeah. that's a that's a whole other ball of wax with with coaching and i could go down those rabbit holes forever i yeah. won't but i <laughs> could but um yeah i mean it's just it's just nice to talk to somebody who who understands that way of thinking and and that way of life and understanding that that's how you approach it and, and it's fun and it's energetic or, you know, you have infectious optimism. I told you that in a post to you, but you do your posts um, provide that, that energy. I don't know. There's an energy around it. And again, coaching art and science energy kind of on the art kind of it, but there is, mm -hmm. there's a certain energy that um, you can affect the energy in the room if you mm -hmm. are bringing, you know, that positivity to it. Yeah. And, and then just as a segue from there. So like one of my sort of core principles, if you will, in, in coaching, I call it the step model. I haven't uh, talked about it for a little while, but it's basically spirit, thought, emotion, 
and physics. So if you look at like STEP, it's a step. And then oh, okay, yeah. again, when somebody comes and say like, okay, I have X, Y, Z problem. And then, then I try to look at it from the, 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 from those four pillars, if you will, mm-hmm. like, is it a spiritual issue? Is it, is it a mental or emotional or physical thing? And mm-hmm. then we, we, in the end of the, in the end of the journey, I, I want to address all those four pillars, yes. but yeah. you got to start, you got to start from somewhere, somebody who is not exposed to, let's say, let's say energetic or spiritual world or meditation or mindfulness practices, mm-hmm. you, you don't want to start placing through like okay let's go and sit down for 20 minutes and you know let's start reading these mindfulness books no no no. you you gotta start from somewhere maybe from the physical plane and then like from there you start then you start penetrating through like okay what about this emotional world like what how's how do we handle what is the emotional resiliency like how do we navigate those ups and downs a little bit yeah and then okay what about the mindset like where's our mind how can we uh, how, how can we set goals or intentions and be more intentional with our with our actions and with our word with our language? There's a lot of, a lot a lot of the, the 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 thought processes, and then from there slowly, like again, this is just one example. We can go like, okay, what about the spirit world? What about that internal? What about the purpose? What about the deeper why? What are your why? beliefs? Your your belief system. Your beliefs, your values. Like we just dive dive deeper into those. Whereas then for someone else who is, let's say, very spiritual, but doesn't see, like, let's say, like have a lot of procrastination, mm-hmm. maybe spending too much time in that quote unquote spirit world, then we can like, then we can reverse that, reverse that process. Oh, and no, go that's from- a good point. That's a good point. Cause they all present differently to you, don't they? You know, some are very spiritual, but just need that push in the physical plane and, and then, then vice versa. <laughs> exactly right. So then in that, that case, we were like, okay. That spirit world is there. Let's let's leave that for now. But what about the goal setting? What about the, the emotional resilience? So we're gonna reverse the process, and then because for someone who lives up in the cloud, if you will, again, I'm just you know, no, I get it. Putting yeah. it out there, uh, it's very hard to put them straight into a massive action. Yes. Right? <laughs> yes. Yeah, because they're a dream state. They're they're the vata, you know, like in Ayurveda and Eastern yeah. thought process. They're the vata. They're the dreamers, and and they come up with all the great ideas except a lot of times they just stay up here and the world doesn't get to see them. (laughs) But they are the great idea, you know, bringers. They bring all the energy. Yeah, you know, it's it's being able to translate those folks to get everything that's up here, out here, and how to take consistent action. And I think that's the whole goal of, of coaching is A, assessing who comes in, but then B, this is the absolute key tenets to solve the next problem when the next problem arises in your life. I, you know, like you, you don't want to just solve why you're there. I, I'm not trying to help you just fix what's going on at work or why this person is bugging you at work or whatever, but it's to change everything the way you think about your life. So that way, when the next Amy problem Amy girl from work comes along you'll know how to handle it or you're going to know how to deal with it where in fact you won't even be affected by her because you've changed you've changed like on a DNA level like a cellular level you've changed and so I feel like that's the whole value of coaching and I love like you said I love that it has a label now because teachers are teachers we're just born that way you know we're Mm -hmm. we're born we're bent that way we're communicators but i love that it has a label (laughs) and a job attached to it you know that's like pretty cool so and and not to have to be a therapist because i'm not trying to solve what happened in your past i'm trying to solve what's going forward and how how are we going to make that look different yeah 
thousand percent. That's the the presence, presence and the future that I'm that I like to play. And I'm, every now and then I, I like to dive a little bit deeper in the past because there's a lot of wisdom that we yeah, can get from there. Yeah, there's some value back there for we, sure. We can learn we can learn a lot from there. But especially if it's a really deep, traumatic, uh, emotional experiences that happened in there then i was like hey i might refer you to a like a very skillful therapist and yes. then once you've done that work like for example back in the back in my day i i was i had a couple of sessions with somebody who was suicidal and i was like okay i cannot go down that hole because i hadn't been there but once you come up mm-hmm. once you're on the upswing then i can support you on your way right yeah, you can help them there. And, and just knowing when to say when, you know, and I think that's another art that comes along with coaching is just kind of knowing when it's out of your realm and to put it to somebody who can be, you know, very impactful for that person. So anyway, I think that that is very cool. And it's really great to be able to talk to another coach. A coach has been doing it. You've been doing this longer than I have. So, you know, this is <laughs> this is good learning from you and your approach and just kind of hearing how you do it. And we're presented with all different types of situations. So I, I will continue to bring on coaches to learn it. Like how, how do you do this and how do you handle it? But your story was just so amazing that I could tell that, you know, success did leave clues for you because you were just sort of following who you knew you were all along. You just, you weren't trying to prove to the world. You were just following what was true for you. And, if everyone could get to that point, you were there sort of already naturally a little bit, um, but for maybe different reasons, as you said, you may have been running, you may not have been running, whatever. It all, it all came together for the perfect confluence for your life plan. So I just, Mm -hmm. I love how that whole thing works. Life is so amazing. It never gets boring, right? I mean, there's so many different rabbit holes you can go down, you know, into to understand the human experience, you know, you can get into so many things with energy healing and all of these other things that really do play a role. You don't always talk about them in the mainstream, but, but they're really interesting. So I, I loved your story and I'm so grateful you took some time to talk to us today. And I hope everyone out there is inspired by what this man is doing. I mean, what a crazy but awesome story that you just hear about in a movie or like in a book, but not like for real. <laughs> So, so here he is in the flesh. So, um, thank you so much for sharing with us, Tomo. I really appreciate it. And, uh, maybe another time we'll see what your next adventure is and bring you back on to give us a part two to see what else you're up to and what new findings you can share with us because we're all about learning here. So I appreciate it. <laughs> thank you so much for, uh, for carving the time out for me. And uh, yeah, I've got to go and prepare some lunch for our... Uh, it's for time. Food. Let's go. <laughs> got a baby to feed, so let's do it. <laughs> All exactly. right. Well, thank you again so much. We ran a little long, but I appreciate your time. And Absolutely. let's keep in touch. All right. Let's do that. Thanks so much. Thanks. All right. Bye-bye.